Welcome, panel. Hey, thanks for being here. Uh, well, you know, I, I was listening to some chatter as people were uh, finishing up on lunch and the conversation. We'll just go with the conversation that's at every table right now uh, and dive into maybe maybe a club operations portion of this, but uh, the coronavirus. So I'm curious. <laughs> Have you heard of it? <laughs> Uh, I, I would love to get someone's take on just the spread and, and uh, you know, when I wrote this question down, I, I really didn't think we'd, we'd be where we're at right now. I, I thought this would be a topical thing to ask, but, you know, are you guys concerned about the spread of the coronavirus? Is there any plans that you have for the club as we're getting closer to the, uh, the golf season? Christy, why don't you yes, start us off? I have the mic, so I guess I get to start. Um, uh, absolutely concern. Um, my personal belief is um, I'm more concerned about the impact it's going to have to all of us. I think as life as we know it and the industry and everything, um, as, as I mentioned to a few people, I, I, I feel like I hope in a month that the worst thing that we can talk about is, oh my gosh, we just overreacted. Um, I really do. That's my hope. Um, I'm still kind of feeling that way, but day to day, it's getting a little bit more scary. Certainly operationally, we um, at the Glen Club have made a lot of changes just to how from housekeeping, we have a hotel, we have a restaurant that's open to the public, so there's just a lot of day-to-day -day things that have absolutely changed the way we operate. And, um, and I think it'll be changing daily over the next you know, week or two, and hopefully we can subside at some point. One, one, one more, give us your perspective. Yeah, one more. Um, you know, as we say, it, it, it's definitely important. Every day it's, it's an evolving scenario. We've gone through, and I think it's going to heighten our ability, or not our ability, our, our focus on, you know, what is supposed to be wiped down, when it's supposed to be wiped down, how many times you use your hand sanitizer. If you guys have any extra, could you send it up to the club? That'd be great. Um, but, you know, golf has made it for 500 years. It's going to make it through this. We're going to make it through this. This country is. I totally feel like crazy. I, you know, six months from now, a year from now, Three weeks from now, hey, it's going to make us better at what we do, whether, per, per, you know, giving you a better golf experience for whatever reason. Um, you know, I'm, I'm still all in with golf. It's going to be great. I think we're going to have a great season, especially when they find out, you know, it, it's, as most flu bugs, the, the warmer it gets, the more humid it gets, the, the quicker it dissipates. Well, I don't know. Most of my golf still played outside, even though we do have an indoor simulator, but that's a different story. But um, it's a, it, it's, it's going to be, I think it's going to be a place where people are going to go until they can get everything back online. I really think it's going to be a place, a refuge. You're not to be standing around, you know, watching the Cubs or White Sox with 40 other people. It's just going to be you, your, your, your four people, your three people, and your two caddies. So I think, uh, I th I think it could be a good place to get uh, the country back rolling again when that comes. Todd, am I, if I, I'm going to switch it up. No problem. Yeah, we'll, we'll, maybe it'll come up again. That's fine. I, I, hope, <laughs> I hope not. But um, I, I like this, this question, and this might be floated to everybody, but it always gets to the heart of what's on our minds. Okay. Um, as a club operator, you know, what, what are some of the things that might keep you up at night? Well, I think it's just Don and I have been in it, and all of us have probably been in the industry a long, a long time. I've probably been at Conway longer than most of you have been alive. So um, it's changed a lot. But I clearly think that, um, you know, for us, I think it's evolving away from, a, you know, 10 years ago, five years ago, three years ago, membership, we just always had members. And it wasn't very hard to get members. We never did membership marketing. We never really looked for members. They just always kind of showed up through other members and you know 
Um, for us, we're still a pretty strong club, but there's definitely, you know, probably an, uh, I used to probably spend a half an hour a week on membership. Probably now I spend 10 hours a week understanding the membership demographics and so on. Also, I'd say that as the club is much more diverse, which is a good thing, we've always been very gender neutral. Our board has changed from the standpoint where they expect us to be more business orientated. I mean, I know we obviously have to give a great experience, but from a um, data-driven world that we're in, they want day-to-day -day data to drive our decisions. And even though you know it's a hospitality, it's serving, it's about treating everybody great, it is a business. And the business part of it has become a focus much more than maybe 10 years ago. 10 years ago, it was making the best member guest ever or the best day that, but now it's, you know, every day how's the financials. Let's get Nathan in, involved. Um, and it's, it's kind of just continuing on the theme of, of membership growth. Um, we looked at some, some data for, some data, <laughs> as you alluded, it's important. Uh, but Sports and Leisure Research Group is, is one that we, I've looked at quite a bit. Um, you know, they, they've, I think last year, membership growth, 36% uh, of clubs actually did see a membership growth, which was a big turnaround from 2018. And this year it is expected for 40%. And Nate, I'm, I'm curious, you know, you're at Aurora Country Club, uh, western suburb, not too far from here. Uh, do you expect the club to see that trend? Um, why or why not? Uh, I do. Um, <coughs> excuse me. I, I guess to differ from, obviously, I haven't been maybe in the industry as long as, um, as long as the rest of you, but <laughs> as long as time. Yeah. Um, you're, our, you're our token, uh, what are you, a millennial? I don't even know what. <laughs> I guess maybe. Seems like that's kind of a negative term now, but yeah, I guess you could give me. Um, but with that, uh, it's funny you mention that because I think that just to continue to grow, I think there's a lot of opportunity for growth. You just need to be willing to evolve. Um, specifically, what we've done at Aurora um, is to kind of we're we're trying to appeal to the club business was quite a bit different, say 25 years ago. It used to be like you know your Friday night, you'd put on a, a suit and tie and you'd go out and you'd hang out at the club on a Friday night and have a nice dinner. Well. Now we see more, um, specifically at Aurora, like people just want to go and hang out and watch sports and sit in the pub, which is totally fine. Uh, but I think being able to evolve with like the changing trends, um, and that goes just beyond food and beverage. I think we're in a pretty exciting time. I mean, just all of you in this room with golf in particular, um, people don't really care about the same things that they used to, but the passion is still absolutely there. And I think as long as you're like open-minded enough to kind of change um, with the times, I, I don't see any reason why there can't be more growth. There's, there's plenty of, you know, the data might suggest that we're on a bit of a decline with like more course closures and openings, but I think with that you're seeing the cream is rising to the top and the places that are willing to kind of uh, flip the script a little bit on what's important or what's going to, you know, drive whether it's membership or just, you know, if you're a public facility seeing people come out, you just need to be open to change, I guess, yeah. and I think that's kind of in a way, maybe has put some places behind the eight ball as just like standing, you know, firm with their whatever values they have. I think knowing your identity and changing with the, you know, changing with the trends is important. Uh, let's go to Don for the, the next one. Um, you know, 51% of clubs uh, reported last year that they have made concerted efforts to get younger. I think the data would also suggest, you know, club membership has, has aged. Um, and so getting folks in, but also getting younger folks in. So I'm, I'm just curious, and uh, Don, we'll start with you. Uh, have you guys made the effort to, to drive a younger membership? Have you guys, what have you learned, and, and uh, what have been those effects? Um, I would imagine, I'd just speak for everybody, yeah, you're, you're trying to, to 
get the next layer of membership, you know, the 55-year-old, the um, you know, well, I'm in that age group, you know, you know what, what, what's the younger people looking for? You know, clubs aren't going away. They've been around since the beginning of time. You know, as Nathan was saying, they're going to evolve. You know, what, what makes, you know, for lack of a better term and not negative anyway, what makes a millennial want to join a golf club? Um, you know, you, you got to be on top of that because just like Nathan said 25 years ago, you know, you had to wear a coat and tie to the Merit Club for dinner. Don't have to anymore. I mean, you know, we even, oh, gas, we only allow blue jeans in the clubhouse. And it didn't fall down. And, um, it, it, but that, that's what it's all about. Because people still want to be hanging around like-minded people that enjoy the same things they do. I mean, you know, what have we done special? You know, you're always trying to, to make sure that the initiation fee isn't, isn't um, a burdensome, you know, something like that, pay it out over time, reduce the dues, uh, give them the same opportunities to play. When I got into business, if you were a, quote, junior member of the Glenview Club, I think you were allowed to play after noon on every other Saturday and even months. I mean, you know, you had to pay your dues, but they didn't <laughs> want you there. And, and now everybody has the open opportunity to, to come out and play and enjoy it, uh, which I think is important. And then bringing, uh, you know, trying to introduce the game to women and, and the children is always huge because that just brings the whole family into the, into the uh, arena. Uh, Christy, let's go with you next. The customer experience at the club, I think you guys all have a phenomenal customer experience at, at your clubs. Uh, a lot of it is tied to relationships and the, and the people uh, that we, we engage with when we visit. Um, I wondered if you could maybe talk about that, that those key staff, you know, the customer facing roles at, at the club and, you know, what is your strategy around those? Uh, if you lose someone that's been in a crucial role, how do you, how do you move on? How do you backfill it? Um, you know, how, how crucial are those to the Glen, the Glen Club? Um, well, very crucial. I mean, it's, uh, you know, the team, uh, you know, I say we have a beautiful golf course. We have a beautiful clubhouse. I mean, there's a lot of great things, but people don't come back again necessarily for those. I mean, if their experience isn't great, if their service isn't great, you know, they're, they're not going to come back again, no matter how great the golf course is. So um, those positions to me are the most important. Um, I meet with all of my nine, ten managers um, every week. And, you know, sometimes I'm sure it's painful for them and painful for me because it's hard to do that with your schedule. I mean, that's almost a quarter of what is a work week, which is not in the golf industry, but would be a work week in another industry um, if we were bankers or something else. Um, but, you know, it's so important that you have those people and that you trust them and that you show them exactly the way they're supposed to be as well. I mean, you have to lead by example. You have to show them what good is. You have to show them why you're going to do that. And you have to trust and empower them, um, you know, at the same time that you keep the communication up. I mean, if you don't have all those things, those are all part of it. Um, we can have a lot of great people, and I've seen it even at the Glen Club. You know, when I first started is a lot of great people, nine or ten great managers, and they were all in their own little silos. And stuff could happen, but, I mean, there was a lot of balls that got dropped if you don't communicate, and that's a huge part of it. So getting that back together again within that department and within all the other managers is, is a key thing that we do a lot. Uh, Todd, let's, let's go to you here with this one. Uh, obviously, every, any club has many moving parts, many moving constituents, let's say, uh, membership, leadership, staff, and, and governance. Uh, I'm curious, you guys have had you know, big initiatives put forth at, at Conway, and. Uh, whether it's a course renovation, restoration, um, there, there, lot, lot of lot of projects. 
uh, I think my question is, how do you get all those parties uh, moving and aligned in the same direction? Really, really. Uh, yeah, I just. I just told Christy and Don my horror story, but I think uh, I think like anything in today's world, I mean, change is what is making people become innovative and want to join clubs and be part of environments that they want to socialize with. So, a lot of our clubs, I mean, Butterfield's done an amazing job, you know, over at, at, at right down the road, re redeveloping and re you know adding amenities to their club and so forth. And for us. You know, we know our culture. We're a golf club. We want to try to provide the best golf experience for men, women, and, you know, junior golf, and obviously PGA Tour golf when we get the opportunity. And so for us, that's sort of our focus when we look at long-term projects. And we're still a young club. I mean, both Merritt Club and Conway are probably 30 years old. And, you know, I think that's a different thing than some of the clubs that have been around 100 years. Um, so we're still building our history and our experience. but. For us, it's about trying to make sure that we can separate ourselves, not necessarily be better than the other competitors or other friends. We're all friends, and I will say this, in the last three or four years, I think we're all friends, but it's become more competitive. I mean, I'm still gonna think the world of Don and Christy, and I don't know Nathan as well, but you know, um, <laughs> I don't really have to compete with Aurora. So. You know, it's just become a different environment that we live in. But if you're not improving and improving your business in any life, your step, you're going back. And so the new members joining want to see things change. And it's a balancing act. It's a total balancing act because, you know, everybody now is challenging you on your costs and your expenses. I mean, you know, it's, it's a challenge. Yeah. But, uh, you know, you got to have a vision. We have a vision and we're trying to get to our vision, but it's not, we don't always win every day, but we're trying to get there. <laughs> Yeah, you, you touched on uh, uh, identity, and I think that was one question I had for, for pretty much the whole group is, you know, how would you define your, your club's core identity? Um, has it evolved and changed? It sounds like yours certainly has when that, those visions come in uh, to play. You have to, obviously do have to evolve, but uh, why don't we start with Nathan on just, what, you know, what is your club's identity and how has that changed? Sure. Um, Honestly, the, the core identity has been pretty much the same since I've been there, and there's just a great sense of community amongst, uh, amongst uh, the, I guess, the core group of golfing members. Um, it's just really kind of an open arms, totally unpretentious. Um, again, our, our members just want to come out and play golf and have fun. Um, maybe have a few drinks afterwards. Uh, it's a really tight-knit group. There aren't, like, little cliques or anything. It's just like, oh, you're a member here, you're one of us. Um, anytime we have a new member coming in, a new golfing member, I always, uh, you know, steer them towards certain games that might fit there. But I, I describe it as like an open gym. Uh, we don't take tee times. You can just come out and play whenever. It's my job to, you know, put you with somebody, whether you're a gambler or whatever it is. Um, but I think the overall theme is just a sense of community. It's just like, oh, you're one of us now. Like, let's, let's have fun and share this together. And that, I think probably every club is like that, but that's one of the things I really like about Aurora. Don? <clears throat> Mayor Club culture, um, community, you know, we're, we're, we're a golf club. That's what we are. That's what we do. Um, Todd alluded to it earlier. I mean, not that Conway and, Fire and I, our sister clubs, were different in some areas, but that's our singular focus. There's no pool, no tennis courts, no shooting, no paddle tennis. You come to play golf. When, when, when the dollars get, 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 uh, um, divided up for capital, it always goes, oh, how is this going to affect the golf experience? Oh, okay, great. We're going to do it that way. 
oh, it's not going to affect it. It's not going to help the golfers. We're not going to do it. And it's it, it in some respects that makes it easy because we don't have, you know, the tennis people pulling this or that. You know, pu pulling the money aside. Oh, we need to do that. And no, the tennis doesn't make any money. But no, the golf, food and beverage. Uh, no, it's all about the one focus of the golf. Um, we've always tried to go under the um, deal of understated elegance where you come in. We don't have any committees at the Mayor Club, which makes it real nice. People can come on in and they'll talk to me. Um, I was telling Todd and Christy that I had a board meeting right before I, right before I got here. I talked to the owner on the phone. How's it going, Don? Going great, sir. Okay, talk to you next week. So that was my board meeting. Um, so I'm blessed when it comes to that. I think you're making a lot of people yeah. jealous. Yeah, what you're doing. So, so, so I'm blessed when it comes to that. And, and because of that, it's easier to keep a singular focus. As Todd said, sometimes you get different presidents. What did you say, 12 and a 20, 30 years you've been there. And, they, oh, you know, well, we need to do this or we need to do this. We need to verify the greens the day before the women's guest just for fun. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, but so 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 that's our focus always has been that's written in our mission statement that's what we try to do and and for me being there not quite as long as Todd I think I've been at the Mayor Club one year less than Todd has only because the Conway Farms is open one more year than we have and um, it makes it easier to do that uh, but there's still you know you, you got to be careful you got to keep it you know at some point you're like oh you're trying to get everybody you know, I want this guy's member, that guy's member. How do I change to get him in? No, you got to stay core to your principles because that'll keep it, keep it going straight. In the long run, that'd be a lot better for you. Chrissy, yeah, same question. Yeah, the identity, yeah. Um, definitely, the Glen Club. Uh, we're 19 years old, so we really started out as a championship golf course uh, with memberships um, and then evolved into really being still that but we've also added on you know our restaurants open to the public our hotel that we have is also open um, you know the golf course is open so we're, we're kind of a lot of things to a lot of people so we still have our core but those outlets are are very important to our business um, so that's definitely been a change and you know we're I joke but we're, we're a little bit of like a We've got like a Barbie-sized clubhouse for everything that we do. You know, our, our kitchen's the size of this room for three and a half million dollars out of it. So um, a lot of what we do is, um, and our locker rooms, we probably shouldn't talk about that at all because it's not good. Um, but but we, you know, there's, there's a lot of small-scale stuff and we're a big-scale club now in what we do and tournaments and all that. So we're trying to em embrace that and figure out how to keep our core with the membership and the great golf course, um, which is fantastic because those other things are, are tough to manage too so I'm thrilled that that's what we do and that is our core um, that all three of us have actually um, but you know we just have to stick with that but then figure out how to manage the rest of it and and that's a juggling act on a daily basis uh, let's keep it here with you for uh, industry trends um, I, I'm curious you know whether it be technical cultural architectural operational uh, or otherwise there's a lot of trends um, I think some are, are truly trends and, and will continue on and, and some are just fads that I'm sure you guys have seen fads in, in the past but what, what trends do you think have staying power and, and which ones do you think maybe aren't going to be here in the next year or two? Um, well we hosted two years of the speed golf, the international speed golf competition so that's no longer around, that's one thing <laughs> which is actually very Everyone cool. Everyone complains I about was, pace of play, why I would that not I was a total naysayer around? on that because 
you know, when you're traditional in like the golf and you're like, you're going to run and golf and, but the fact that somebody can shoot 72 and run the whole golf course in 48 minutes or something and do both, either one of those is amazing. To do both at the same time is actually quite phenomenal. Um, I do think technology is, is the way in entertainment golf. I, I, we have to embrace it. Um, it's here and it's going to get more um, infrequent golfers in and they're going to call themselves golfers even though they may have never been on a golf course, but it is going to keep you know, our, our loving sport, you know, continue to be for the younger generation. Um, I definitely think so. Um, as far as, you know, we're, we need to appeal, um, and I'll say it, because we need to appeal to women and we need to appeal to families. Um, you know, our course 19 years ago was definitely, you know, male dominant, still is, but still male dominant and definitely for the weekend warriors that are going to come out and leave the family at home. That's not the case any longer. You need to appeal to everyone and you need to figure out a way to get the families out there um, at a golf course like mine that is not a family-based membership. So that's certainly a challenge for us to do. And, you know, women make up still 85 to 90 percent of the decisions in the family. And if you don't appeal to them who are making the decisions, and whatever level they want it to be, um, you're going to miss the boat. I mean, you will. Let's take one, one more uh, contribution to the trends that you're seeing. Sure. I, obviously, I think that one of the biggest ones is, is, is uh, members or, or customers or guests' time. I think all of our time is changing, um, and I don't think that's going to go away. And uh, I'd like to see social media go away, but that's not going to go away. But I think time, so you got to figure out ways to either have six-hole loops or or you know, practice environments or putting courses, or you see the popularity of the short courses. I think people's time is just not going to change. We are, you know, we're all um, we're like when I was in high school or something. My parents never went to anything. You know, I have got two high school kids. I've never missed one thing. You know, I go back and forth four times a day, but I don't miss anything. And I think uh, people's time is going to make us continue to do. Uh, you know, work differently. We can work, we really can't in the service industry technically always work from home, but we can always get respond, you know, 24-7 not even being there, which I think is a positive trend. Um, there's some fashion trends I hope go away, but... Uh, Name one. Uh, I hate the white belt. Uh, I, think that's, I think that's being phased, I do. I think, it's, I think that's phased too. Um, and I can't... You came around too. <laughs> I do like I do like the all new different kind of pants and stuff are a lot better. But in a you know I like comfortable golf shoes. I thought the choice yeah. old school were horrible. <laughs> I know. <laughs> now, Nate, I, I'll ask you specifically one trend that's near and dear to uh, to both of our hearts. I know is of course architecture. Um, how has that impacted your club? Just the uh, what I what I will call not the uh, golf course architecture movement that's been a thing for a long time. But I, I would say there's a more of a awareness of, um, thanks to media and, and ease, uh, ease of uh, access to the content, that people kind of know a little bit thing, thing or two about uh, golf course design. How has that impacted your job? Uh, funny you mention that. We, um, were, uh, we just took out 24 trees uh, over the winter, which is kind of big for us. Um, and that was somewhat controversial. People, I'm, uh, it was kind of shocked at how attached they get to trees. Uh, and then it sparked a lot of debates. 
amongst me and, and certain members over the architectural merit of trees, which I believe there are none whatsoever, but that's a conversation for another time. Um, but I think that's a trend you're going to see going forward. I mean, I know you're a member of Beverly. That's a prime example right there. Um, it re-exposes the architecture, and uh, I, I think it, you know, when you have a golf course that's, that's truly a work of art, something from the golden age, I mean, to be able to re-expose that, it seems like there is a trend going towards that, which I, I love. Uh, and the thing about trees, you know, there's some talk amongst our our better players in particular that it's going to make the golf course too easy. Well, last I checked, you weren't shooting 59 every time. And last I checked, Aurora wasn't trying to host US Open. And my whole thing with that and what I do see as a trend is like it bridges or it like brings together my dad, for instance, you know, he carries the ball 190 yards. And the last thing he needs is to be stymied behind a tree. Um, on a hole that's like 400 yards and straight away. So as it pertains to Aurora in particular, we've been kind of like slowly easing into that movement. It's not like we're going to do a major innovation anytime soon. Um, I, I'd like to see a trend to more um, a more raw, more organic golf, um, at least as it pertains. I think entirely too much money is set aside for the maintenance of golf courses. I think it's silly to spend over a million dollars a year on a golf course just so that it looks pretty. Um, I think that putting like flowers on a tee box or brick laid cart paths doesn't really do anything for like, like if you ever talk to anybody who had a great, uh, a great time playing a golf course, they're never going to say like, well, you know, it was really green or like, you know, the bunkers were perfectly white and beautiful. And to me that like, that totally makes like sense. It, it, to me, it's just kind of missing the mark on. So I think we're a few years away from that, but I think that, you know, with this new woke golf kind of hipster vibe, um, I think that it's going to kind of help move that along. And I think it's only going to help, um, you know, the little guys like us that are, you know, we're not on the North Shore. We don't have people lined up on a wait list for 10 years and that kind of thing. Um, so, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> Uh, a couple more questions, then we'll open it up to the crowd. So think of some uh, some hard-hitting questions that I'm not not touching on. Um, Don, so club investments, capital improvements. I think we saw in that same sports and leisure study that they have ticked up a little bit in the last few years. Uh, kind of a continuation of, of Nate's um, uh, trend discussion. What what do you wish the industry would invest more in? And and maybe uh, similarly, what do you think they should spend less on? <laughs> well, I mean, I, I I love golf golf course architecture, and I'm with Nate. I think a, a tree planted in the wrong spot is nothing more than just you know just like a big dandelion. Trees take away the sun, the water, the fertilizer from the grass. So if you have a lot of grass, you usually don't have, I mean, you have a lot of trees, usually don't have a gr good grass um, base that you need. Uh, I, you know, I love the fact, I, hopefully at some point, you know, the next, you know, a, a, a green community, you know, taking care of waste and all that good stuff. Well, a green golf course is actually gonna look brown because we're not gonna water it. We're not gonna use as much fertilizer. The ball's gonna bounce and run and roll in June, July. I don't know, I mean, I get title probably the same way. I get members complaining, oh, they, the fairways aren't firm enough. You know, well, it's it's April, sir. We just had eight, inch, eight inches of rain. There's not a lot we can do, you know, and then it gets going. And if it turns brown, it turns brown. Don't worry about it. It'll get, when it gets, when the, when the water comes again, it'll turn green, it'll be okay. It doesn't have to be perfect. I've been to Scotland a number of times and 
You know, if you get out on a certain day, oh, the greens are a little, little more deliberate today, hit it harder. That's all it is. And you have to make adjustments. Um, but I think we spend way too much money on golf courses. I mean, if, if we can just say, hey, just come out and enjoy it and play it the way it is. Some days you got to hit high in the air, some days you got to hit a low, depending on what's going on. You know, what do we spend too much money on? Boy, I imagine you can have a list, you know, whether it's, you know, buying new furniture for the clubhouse or buying the new dishware, you know, because the owner, because the president's wife needs to have a new china pattern. That type of stuff drives me crazy. Um, but I just say yes, ma'am, and we just move on. Yeah, yeah that's, <laughs> oh, that's great. Um, technology, I want to talk a little bit, but maybe Christy, take, take this one. Uh, online T-sheets, CRMs, all the different SaaS tools are, you know, they're, they're intended to make club life a little easier. Um, but I know it's a, it's a tough transition when you incorporate that. What, what technology have you guys adopted at the Glen Club that has uh, really been a benefit and, and maybe some advice for anyone that's kind of looking at different SaaS tools to implement at their club? Um, we just did a membership summit for Kemper Sports. And um, I think the biggest thing and kind of amazed me that we clubs still don't have CRM systems and you're not tracking, you know, your leads, you're not tracking who's out there, you're not, you don't have a great tool to follow up with these folks and, you know, and we're, hopefully everybody at some point, we're all selling, but I mean, these salespeople need to have these tools um, and some of the, you know, I've got some of the, you know, old timers that have done this and these post-it notes are really great, but then again, there's a lot of technology. So that would be the one thing that I would say, um, there's a lot that we can do with with the whole technology in golf. I mean, if anybody has the one system that works for everything, I would love to talk to you because, again, for us, we have a hotel, we have food and beverage, we have events, we have the t-shirt, you know, we have members and non-members. I mean, it's for us, it's tough. I mean, we can't find one. We've got a lot of great systems that work and softwares that work for our particular departments, but none of them that can talk to each other. And that's really one thing that, and I've heard there's something that's in the works. I've heard that though for a couple of years and I haven't seen it rolled out yet. So hopefully somebody will come up with that brain, you know, that can really just help everybody pull them together. Todd, anything to add to the technology? A couple of different things. I think for us, you know, talk about pace of play, you know, I think we've been written up a lot about, we were one of the first clubs in America to use the tag marshal system, which was basically, it's a beacon in the caddy's bib and they take one step off the first screen and we can, it's a, every one of us can see on our phones where every player is. And if it, they're in the green, they're doing well. If they're yellow, we can caution. So now the Rangers, you know, if we have a Ranger or one of the assistant pros, so he'll go, he knows which group caused the problem. Our grounds crew can look at the play and say, okay, and after lunch, I can get these things done. Because our philosophy is they start really early to try to get ahead of all play. But then they have lunch at like 11 if they're trying to work a few more hours, trying to go out, the, you know, going out to, they see a gap between 13, 14, and 15, they can spend some time. So I think technology for all of us is changing, but it's something we need to have. I think, you know, boards were slow initially, even though in the corporate world, that's all they spent money on. Now they're finally allowing us to have budgets that are, that are realistic when it comes to technology, which is huge for us to do our operations the right way. And then I think second, we, I mean, it's not really a technology, but we all have labor issues. And without technology, we're going to be in a world of hurt. And, you know, whether we go to robotic equipment on the grounds crew, that's happening, but nobody knows how to fix it right now. So you can't really buy a lot because, you know, if it breaks down, we can't repair it. So there's a lot going on. So 
that's really not technology, but I wanted to throw in the world that one of our probably biggest challenges is labor. How it gets. I don't know a club that doesn't have labor issues. That's a good intro to the, the group. And, and uh, are there any questions for the panel that, that uh, anyone would like to put out there? Todd, why don't you expand on the uh, labor, if you could. I know we've had the uh, minimum wage increases that have been passed. What's the, what's the panel? What's everybody doing to, uh, you know, react yeah. to those wage increases? What's your plans? Yeah. Uh, Where do you see that going? You know, I think all of us have budget challenges, which starts with the labor, and probably 65% of our budgets or 70% of our overall budgets are labor. I think a couple things. Um, the younger generation, they were smarter than us, and they don't want to work seven days a week. So like now all of our department heads, no matter who they are, they work five days a week. You just have to get that. You're not going to keep people at the club. You know, and our members are used to having long tenured staff. So it's not just the dollar amount. <clears throat> it is the dollar amount in the, in the hourly rate, and so, you know, we've done a, we've, shame on us or shame on me, we haven't done enough employee surveys, and actually when we've done one, the last three years, we've done some pulse surveys with our employees, we kind of did a more elaborate one three years ago, and we've worked on things, and, <clears throat> you know, it sounds crazy, but the wage was like the third thing on their mind. It was like either their time they start in that department or the employee meals weren't what they needed to be or you know we get chastised by the uniforms and the ladies in the locker room we were like we feel like maids you know things like that that we should have been progressive enough to do but we have <coughs> um, increased our hourly wage certainly in the grounds crew we used to be like 1050 <coughs> excuse me 1050 starting we're trying to get to 15 dollars an hour for our because you know we're getting killed by amazon starbucks all the other places or went from Probably two years ago at 10:50. Now we're starting people at 14, and uh, we're not. We're trying to cut back overtime to, 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 to counteract it, which isn't a brainchild of anybody, but that's what you have to do. Um, and we also have to cross train, and we do a lot of job shares. I think every restaurant in Lake Forest, our our kitchen works there in the morning and us at night, or vice versa, other than our chef. Um, and I think um, we have to be. You know, when I talked earlier about all your time on membership, your second time is on your staff. You got to go out and recruit people, and you got to treat them well. You got to, you got to, you know, the, the days of one percent increases isn't going to work. Maybe the salary people or people that get paid a lot of money, we can get freeze our pay, but we need to take care of the the people that make us look good. So I don't know if I have any great wisdom in that, but I will tell you that you need to focus on the little things when it comes to them, and you should if you're not doing a survey. For your employees, you need to be, and it needs to be. It's there's easy to make it confidential, and there's a you know the name calling can kind of go out of it for the people that look at it, but it's really made our environment, which I thought was always really pretty darn good. It was a little humbling the first time I did it because I hadn't done one in like 10 years, but the last one our satisfaction rate was about 90 percent. So, yeah. Any other uh, questions for the group? Continue caddies coming to the club. 
Um, I'll take that. Um, for us, my caddy master is real good friends with the caddy master at Awencia, knows the caddy master at Conway Farms, and each of us probably has, you know, eight or nine career caddies on the, on the corner months for us. Hey, and they'll call up, hey, I got a, I got a event on Wednesday. Talk about job sharing. We kind of do that in the caddy ranks. So they'll come on up and, and, and okay, that we have, you know, these people from, I, you know, I, I know six or seven kids from the Northmore Club. They'll come up and some of my young people will go down to the other side. Um, you know, one of the things that's coming out is it's going around and I haven't used it yet. Um, it's, it's uh, what's it called? Club app, I think. Yeah, club up or, you know, and and you can definitely, okay, if you want your caddies, okay, you have them show up at, you got a loop at 11 o'clock, show up at 10.30. So you can you can plan your day out ahead of time and you can say who's coming, who's not coming, or you put out a thing, hey, I got, I got, I got four groups at one o'clock tomorrow, who wants to work? And you put it out to this big, and then the caddies that really want to work are gonna be there. Um, so, so we end up using the same pool, uh, especially in the North Shore, but that's the only way. So they get, they get a job every day. And if, you, and if it's done right, you know, you got more than enough work and you have more than enough caddies to cover what you need. It's, it's hard, you know, to do that. We've, we've relaxed a little bit in the past. You know, you couldn't take a cart until two o'clock. Well, no, if there's not, okay, go ahead, take a cart. Um, not that we have that, I mean, you guys. You guys are a little bit more friends with the way I want to argue with Don here to make it fun. So I agree with them. We do share, but um, we, I believe, and I met with the Western Golf Association this winter about it. I think that, you know, you look around the Chicagoland area, and we're busy in the spring and the fall. So we have more, what I would say, more of a professional caddy program, where they go in the winter to Calusa and to you know Estancia and to you know Naples National, or whatever and less of a high school college program. We still have that, but we don't have it as much. We're certainly supportive of the women's golf, uh, the Western women's caddies and Daniel Murphy, and, and we support Evan Scholars. But I think, I told them, they said, because they're having a lot of clubs come to them with that question. And I, I say you, have, you do either Hinsdale or you go Conway model. I'm not saying that we do it right. Hinsdale has the best high school program from May 25th until August 10th. And then they just have all their members and guests on carts. They get revenue. They don't try to do a hybrid. Members complain too much. I mean, we we're, we're probably a little busier than Don, and we'll have 140 players on this, you know, a, a nice day in October. And if we don't have caddies for everybody, it's miserable. So our only program is to have 50 professional caddies. Now that's has a whole lot of other issues, and it costs the members a lot more money. And we've never had more than $3,000 or $3,500 in cart revenue a year. But to try to do both, I think you can. I mean, Don's right. We're all friends. We do share caddies a lot. But I can tell you, we're the ones getting called all the time in the fall to send our caddies. And we'll do that. But we're going to take care of ourselves first. And it's a challenging thing. And, you know, California just passed the, another law. So, you know, from the independent contractor staff, we have all that. Now that they passed it to try to help the people that did Uber and Lyft or whatever, but basically it screwed all the private clubs in California with their caddies. I mean, they're gonna have to go to a caddy company. There's no other option. Unless they change the rule. Yeah. Uh, Sorry. No, this is awesome. Saying, we're gonna have a... to do both well is hard. You either gotta pick which one you're gonna be good at. No, we're gonna have a head-to-head -head match play, and you, you two get to go head at it yeah. over, over all these topics. I can leave and go. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> 
Well, we, we are coming up on time. I want to be respectful of everyone's, uh, everyone's day because I know there's a lot going on today. A lot, some folks made it from the uh, uh, World Handicapping Certification out at Medina to be here, and they're headed to the IPGA tonight. Um, so it, it's, it's a lot, lot going on, and we just appreciate everyone coming, everyone being here for us. I think I, my, my party message from, from New Club, at least, you know, I think our mission and, and this whole thing that we're trying to do is really focus on the at-risk uh, golfer, <laughs> the population of folks that are similar to myself that, you know, late 20s, early 30s, maybe early 40s, uh, you're a self-proclaimed golfer, but you're not getting out there and playing much golf. Uh, so, so we're doing our best to keep a club in people's hands. And, I, and the number one way that we, we do that is by, by highlighting places that are like yours. And, and it gets people excited. It gives them that special thing to go experience. Uh, so my message to the panel is thank you. Keep up the phenomenal work that you do for your facilities, for your communities. Uh, for everybody here, do the same. Thank you for being here.